Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very wonderful guest joining us today. We have the writer and producer, Christine Duncan, who has a brand new show, Saving Cinderella. This show is currently looking to start a production very soon, but it is coming off a very successful fundraiser to mount a local production. And we are excited to see what comes of it next. Come on, New York production. But it's a fascinating new take on Cinderella. And I think the perfect person to tell us more about this great show is our writer and producer, our guest, Christine Duncan. So let's bring her on. Christine, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate being here. I am so excited to have you here. Now, I first want to make a clarification. Not only is this a great show that you've written, it's a musical, if I read right. Is that correct? That is correct. We have a great new musical called Saving Cinderella, and I love the new take, the story you've put on it. Could you tell us a little bit about this show? Sure. Saving Cinderella is a sequel to the original Cinderella story. It follows Cinderella and her prince into a not-so-happily-ever-after. We're still in fairy tale world, but we're taking an honest look at what happens when someone tries to change their social station, tries to escape poverty, and the people who come around very well-meaning in some cases, and in other cases not so much, and try to intervene in what's going on with that person and where those things work and where they don't and what it actually takes for a person to get out of poverty. Is it just a question of money, haves and have nots, or is there a lot more to the picture? So underneath our fun, fanciful fairy tale, there's a lot of hidden meanings and messages. I love that. It's very into the woods meets enchanted meets, you know, real world road rules. I don't know. (laughs) I'm dating myself with that reference there. But how did you come up with the idea for this show? Well, my husband and I started volunteering in the anti-poverty movement here in Dayton. And I was really inspired by everybody that I met. I did not come from a poverty background. And learning what people were having to go through in order to escape poverty and seeing them do that successfully and seeing the key role that relationships played in that journey really spoke to me and everything that I was learning and just seeing this environment where people from different social strata were all building into each other's lives. It wasn't one-sided. It wasn't that, well, I have and I know, so I am going to help you, oh person who doesn't have as much and doesn't know as much. It wasn't like that. It was everybody has strengths, everybody has weaknesses, and we're all going to help each other toward our goals. It it was an incredible environment, and it meant a lot to me to see the value in each and every person, each and every story. So that started it. And then my husband and I, I would say we were actually in many ways blessed to walk our own journey with situational poverty for about four and a half years. That only resolved a couple of years ago. And that also informed the show greatly because finally that which had only been theory in part became fact and lived experience. Wow, what a journey. So building on that, what has it been like developing Saving Cinderella? It's It's been a wonderful 
wonderful ride. It is absolutely a ride. It is a roller coaster, as with any show. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of emotions up and down. But overall, first, I, I started the show only a couple of years before my husband and I went through this really difficult time. The, our experience with poverty lasted about four and a half years, but it was over six years that we went through extraordinarily difficult times. And through that season, it was such a joy to get to live in this world, in this beautiful, fanciful fairy tale world, and to start to get an idea of who these characters were. In the past, I had been so busy with working in the mental health field. I worked in that for well over a decade. And I had worked in management, did a little assistance with operations, had a humongous team of direct reports. And I actually had an underlying health condition I didn't know about. And I would go home after work and I would crash and there would be no way that I could work on this show. I barely had a concept and a couple of songs. And then all of a sudden I got super sick and I was bedridden. And all I could do is hold my phone up and start recording, recording parts. And that's how I started writing draft one. By the end of the summer, I was able to, which was a few, several months, I was able to sit up in bed with my computer and start typing out draft one. Got it done by the end of the summer. And from there, like I said, that was right in the time when things were, many things were going horribly wrong. So as I could, I worked on the show, new draft after new draft. Finally, I was able to, uh, in 2018, form my LLC. Things were still not stabilized for my family, but as I could, I started to get supporters and I started to, and thank you supporters. There are people who have been supporting this show since 2018, faithfully, and I love you and I thank you for what you've done because they supported it when my family was in a really horrible place. And through all of that though, I, I got to live in this wonderful, wonderful world with these lovely characters and start to refine the show. I started taking classes because I didn't come from a theater background. I've loved the theater ever since I was a kid. But again, I didn't realize that the reason I wasn't able to do anything but work was because I'm what they call a spoonie. I only get so many hours to be active. So it just wasn't an option in the past. But now all of a sudden there's this brand new world of theater is all I get to do. <laughs> Wonderful. So then I got involved with a group called Theater Lab Dayton, who they introduced me to Brennan Pollen, the brilliant composer who has done the orchestrations for this show. Working with Brennan is a dream. If anybody ever gets a chance to work with Brennan Pollen, you, you, you will just, you will be so, so thrilled and happy and have the best time. Beautiful human being. So I got to work with Brennan on these orchestrations. And then Theater Lab Dayton supported us through our first couple of professional table reads. And I will never forget the first time that I got to hear this work as much as it you know still needed refinement still does i mean it's a musical ever done being written but you know i got to hear it and i got to hear these artists these incredible artists perform it and start to bring these characters to life and i just it brought me to tears because what a dream come true 
what a dream come true. And then went through the fundraising effort. And, and anybody who's done a fundraising effort, you know, that is not easy. That is not fun. <laughs> but you do get some really awesome surprises. People who hardly know you, who will come behind you so generously. And then, like I said, the people who've been there all along, who come to every single event and, and, and just continually are looking for how they can come alongside. I am so thankful to our patrons on Patreon and our backers because we would not be in the position to be looking at a local performance without you. It is amazing. And that, that brings us to now where I have, I, we have identified a director. Uh, her name is Charmaine Webster. And it is such a thrill getting to work with Charmaine. She pushes me to improve the show. After the first time we talked about it, she gave me a list of books to read to go make my next set of edits. And I just love the fact that she cares that much about this show, that she would be willing to give me beautiful, meaningful critique. I love critique. I want the show to be the best it can be. So it, it means a lot to me when people care enough to say, mm, I don't think this is quite working, or I think you should look at this. I love that. And I love, you know, with development, you end up as a writer, especially you write draft after draft, you make change after change to the show. I love that refining process. I love just the tweaks and the fun of just living in the world and playing with the characters and creating new universe after new universe. It is so much fun. I love that. What a journey this show has gone on. That's amazing. So amazing. You should be so proud of this. And it's only the beginning is the best part. This, this sounds like the show's got incredible legs and I'm so excited for it. And that leads me to ask, what is the message or thought that you're hoping that audiences will take away from this show? More than anything else, I want people to understand fighting poverty from the perspective of doing it relationally. I want us to get away. I, we need, we absolutely need efforts that provide food and clothing and shelter. Those things are absolutely necessary. We also need efforts that help people not need that assistance. And in order to get people out of poverty, that takes courageous relationships across racial lines, across socioeconomic lines. It takes getting uncomfortable and being willing to really listen to another person's experience. And that goes on every side, everybody from every background. Assumptions have to be set aside. One of the songs in the show is called Who You Know and it flips that idea of it's all about who you know flips it on its head and the idea is well i'll just say the the one little pre-course it says whether you're a person with a lot or just a little you'll find that in the end the only answer to the riddle the way you get along and find your way through every high and low it's all about who you know if you want to help somebody you have to know who they are and you have to let them know you which takes vulnerability that's amazing and I, I love that you have this beautiful, fantasiful story, character, 
and whatnot, but it has such real world implications that you're bringing in, you know, we're, we're being entertained, but we're learning at the same time. I love that. And that is a great lead into my final question for this first part, which is who do you hope have access to the show? My overall dream is that it will have a life in high schools and community theaters and colleges, but the dream is mainly high schools. I just, I love the idea of teens putting this on. I love the idea of a show like this that's expandable where you can make it as big as you want it to be and you don't have to tell any kid no. I love that. I also love the idea of teens being able to work on this and invite the adults in their life to the conversations that the show naturally brings up. I've even seen it in our various developmental steps where people end up asking questions. What is code switching? Why, why does somebody tend to run away if, if they've been in poverty and then things suddenly turn around for them? what are the things that will make them run away even when it seems like they're suddenly winning what is that so the kind of conversations that you get into just by nature of what the show brings up because even though it is a fairy tale and if that's where you want to be with it if you want to just go and enjoy a fun sequel to cinderella and and just have a good time you can you can just live there that's perfectly fine but the show is designed to be a bit like a parable where if you want to go deep into what the realities are, it has things for you. I, I thought a little bit about how the conversations that I've seen around Encanto, where there are people that just enjoy the songs and have fun with Encanto on a very surface level. And then there are people that are like, wait a minute, that's about generational trauma. <laughs> you know, so and, and that's fine. It, it can be, you know, I love the idea of just putting it out there and whatever it needs to be for any individual person, that's wonderful. That's great. So I do see it in high schools and with the adults getting to grapple with these things with the kids in their life, a multi-generational I want to switch gears now and I want to have our listeners get the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows inspire you or are some of your favorites? My my favorite show of all time is absolutely Les Mis. I just... It is so well written, and there's a specific experience I had with Les Mis. It was one of the first shows I ever saw. And so that that show very much is just the closest, nearest, and dearest to my heart. I grew up a little bit on Andrew Lloyd Webber. I do very much appreciate how he brings various styles together. I love the idea of musical theater having absolutely no boundaries in terms of what style of music that you can use, and I kind of feel like he started that. So. I appreciate that. I love Tim Rice, Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, the whole Disney Renaissance, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Mmm, so good. And Stephen Schwartz. Specifically, I love his work with Prince of Egypt. That soundtrack is gorgeous. Those are, those are the things that I love the most. And I also love the musical Secret Garden. I think the music in that is just to die for. 
Great, great list there. Beautiful music, wonderful composers there. Love all that. Have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Well, the most recent thing I saw, I can't really recommend because it is already gone. But at one of our local community theaters here, I got to see Twelfth Night by Kwame Kwe Arma and Shana Taub. And I just really encourage everybody, go see community theater, go out to those local theaters and, and even the high school productions. We've got so many wonderful shows that are happening on the local scene. And Twelfth Night at the Beaver Creek Community Theater was a blast. That audience was ready to laugh and it just became a big laugh fest. It was great. Who doesn't love a good pair of yellow stockings? That's all I'm saying, you know. Gotta be cross-guarded all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> ah. What a wonderful suggestion, though. I love that. So what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Absolutely. It's the collaboration. I, I do. I love the whole thing of being alone and doing the tweaks in the writing. But that moment when you get to have people around who have caught the vision and who are invested in the work and are even willing to put their own artistry to it. I, I don't know that anything beats that. Getting to work with other people, get their perspectives, and just the honor, the honor that it is to work with others. And especially as a writer, for others to take something that you have made and, and bring it to life, that, that's beautiful. Yes, a thousand times over. What a wonderful answer. And that leads us to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, I, I kind of alluded to it. In watching my first time ever going to see Les Mis, I was probably about 11 or 12, and I was living in Germany. My dad's retired Air Force, and we were stationed there for most of my childhood. And my choir would take a trip to a different country for about two weeks every year. And that year it was England and it was London primarily. And we got to see Les Mis in London. And I will never forget when you get to that scene, spoiler alert, Fantine dies, <laughs> right? So you get to that scene and I look down the row, I'll, I still can see it in my mind's eye. I look down the row as it curves off to my left and I see people who are in our choir who, I mean, these are like, these are the tough guys. These are the people that like, they don't show emotion. They're just, you know, they might be in choir, but they're tough, right? And I see where they are all bawling. Everybody's crying down the line. And my mind was so struck with the power of this medium of musical theater. It has been and always will be my favorite way to communicate. If I have something that I really want you to know, I'm probably gonna write it because, and, and into a, a structure where there are songs and there is a story <laughs> because I love that way of telling what you wanna tell. And it, that memory was 
absolutely the formative memory that got me to that place. Wow. I love that. Oh, I love that. What a wonderful moment. Too. Don't get me wrong. I was crying too, but I look over and see I am not alone. And it just <laughs> the story, the power of storytelling through musical theater. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that memory. That's amazing. Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Nothing that's really ready. I mean, I do have a couple other shows in the mix, specifically the one I'm excited about. It's not going to be a musical, most likely. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it turns into a screenplay, but it's called either The Cronmeyer or Christmas at the Cronmeyer, and it's inspired by a hotel that my parents and I had to stay at when we first arrived in Germany and the first time we left Germany. We had to stay in this hotel for several months each time. And it just felt like the most magical labyrinth of a place. And I've, with having worked in the mental health field for a number of years and being, you know, we've all though, I think heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Stages of Grief. And I thought about, well, what if this hotel came to life? What if you had a family that was in crisis and the moms always wanted to go back to this childhood memory hotel, right? And that going back to that hotel, it comes to life and helps the family navigate their journey. So that's what I'm working on right now. That sounds absolutely fascinating. I I would love to know more about that as well. So you've got two great projects going, it sounds like. I love this. Yeah, and there's it's interesting because it seems like trauma is just a thing. I like to examine the power of addressing our trauma. I love what it does when you have somebody who's willing to finally speak to, this is what happened. It was wrong. It was bad. But you know what? I am valuable. I have worth. And that is not diminished by the things that have occurred. And I am made for a purpose. And I am going to live that out and and find everything that God has for me with that purpose and not be held back by a refusal to face what's happened. Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Love them. Well, finally, if our listeners would like more information about Saving Cinderella or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Finding out more about the show, we have SavingCinderella.com. We are also on Facebook at Saving Cinderella Musical. So Facebook is great for reaching out to me. I'm on there all the time. So, yeah, that would be the, the places to to go to connect perfect and i do want to mention too we have demos that just came out so if you go to savingcinderella.com you will see links to your favorite streaming services so that you can take a listen i love that i know what i'm doing after this then oh i'm so excited Well, Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with me about this great new musical that you have and all the other projects that you have and just everything that you shared. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Andrew. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and giving me a chance to tell you about Saving Cinderella. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> My guest today has been the writer and producer, Christine Duncan, whose new show, Satan Cinderella, just wrapped up at a big fundraiser and it's now looking for a new home. So let's find it a new home, get a new production of it going. You can find demos of some of the songs as well as more details about it by visiting SavingCinderella.com or find the show on Facebook by searching Saving Cinderella Musical. We're going to have all this information posted on our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But this is a wonderful show, a powerful story, a powerful message. Anybody out there who's looking for a great show to put on, this is the one to do it. So you're going to want to reach out to Christine Duncan. Just head over to SavingCinderella.com and you can reach out to her with this great, great story and a powerful show with beautiful music too. You can't beat that. The show is Saving Cinderella and you can find it at SavingCinderella.com. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town Met in a foreign land One sang the praises of Cape If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.